We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. And again, by real time, I mean we'll be watching movies on the 40th anniversary of their official release in the United States. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of To All a Good Night on January 30th, 1980. It was written by Alex Rebar, directed by David Hess, and was released by IRC, the most boring name for a film release company. IRC stands for Intercontinental Releasing Corporation. <laughs> not not a front. It's and not by a the front. Way, I, I looked it up. This is, at least according to most websites, the first killer Santa movie. The first one where the killer wears a Santa costume at some point. Does so. this renowned uh, film company make anything else? <laughs> IRC? I don't know. I have a feeling they made a lot of these probably over the four months that they existed as a company. Is you, you said it was Intercontinental? That's what it was called. So I feel like they were like designed for international release. Maybe yeah, just got dubbed. But I guess international quickly. was already taken as an IRC. Maybe that explains why we can only find the Spanish version of the trailer. Um, there's really not much in the way of production info online about this movie either. Probably because it cost almost nothing to make. They shot it in 10 days at some house up in Santa Barbara. The entire cast stayed in the house that they shot it in for the entire production. Makes sense. Um, it gets a brief mention in only the most thorough slasher review sites because it did technically predate a slew of higher profile slasher films in the early 80s, but it doesn't really stand up to many of them, I would say. Um, it also borrows from its predecessors heavily, which in this case I would say is Bob Clark's um, Black Christmas. And uh, I thought this was after A House on Sorority Row, but apparently this is before that because that was like 84. And the guy who wrote that says he wrote it this year. So I feel like he might have just watched this watch movie this and been movie. like, I'm going to write a better version of this movie. Um, but yeah, so that happened. But Black Christmas, it's also like a sorority being attacked right, by right. someone on Christmas. If you take out all the Christmas stuff, but it's basically the same plot as House on Sorority Row. It's just not not a Christmassy movie. Well, yeah, this movie had very little to do with Christmas. I mean, other than the, the Santa costume. And it's technically on christmas vacation right for the school but other than that there's not there's not a lot to it right well i don't i don't think they're ever really clear about like the look do they say the location that this happens they in? don't like state wise you mean or? well yeah like like i don't recall at the beginning of the movie they're not just like hey we're in florida you know they don't actually say where they are but it's clearly somewhere that doesn't look very Christmassy and wintry. Yeah. Like, this, this is clearly, like, somewhere tropical, somewhere yeah, warm. Yeah, I, I assumed it was coastal, a coastal state, some either either northeast or California. Yeah. But they never say explicitly. They. Uh, but, we, but if you're going to make a Killer Santa movie that's supposed to happen on Christmas, wouldn't you pick a snowy place yeah. and yeah. not some somewhere like California or Florida or wherever the hell this takes place? Because right. blood on the snow looks great. That's yeah. such a great yeah. image. But um, it's obviously much cheaper to just shoot it at a house down the street from your house in Santa Barbara. <laughs> we open at the Calvin Finishing School for Girls Christmas Vacation two years ago, which the reasoning for two years ago is uh, will, will come into play later, I think. 
um, we start with very waxy flashback you know that yeah that terrible look that they used to it, do for flashbacks it, it has like it, it's almost like an iris shot but instead of just an iris it's uh they just swirl like petroleum yeah. jelly on a piece of glass <laughs> to make it look foggy um and it's just a bunch of girls chasing one of their sorority sisters to the top of a building and then off of yeah. a balcony. Luckily, just before she falls off the balcony, she throws a, a fake version of herself off instead. <laughs> yeah, a very, very bad dummy hits the ground. Um, and we start this two-note horror score that actually follows through the whole rest of the movie. It's just... And, and the amazing establishing shot of these dormitories. <gasps> the establishing shots. <laughs> yeah, which is yes. also the poster and cover box for the movie. But I, of course it is. It, it I, appears in the movie like 90 times over the course yeah, of Yeah, I think we need to go back and like, you know, keep keep a running tally of how many times the shot I, appears. I thought about it but and then I realized were, that's a lot of work. There was a there was a there was a fair atten- attention to detail where they changed the color timing slightly on a couple of the establishing shots. Yeah, yeah. they did try to make it look like morning or like evening, but it's all clearly the same footage. Right. The same bird is dying halfway <laughs> across the shot. The 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 flashing lights like only it's weirdly only half of the the flashing lights over the door seem to flash. Right. That's yeah. Christmas. It's Christmas. That's that's what you do. That's you, how you, know it's you put you put Christmas lights up and only half of them work. <laughs> and so after we see this girl die, we get the words to all a good night show up, which part of why I had such a hard time finding a copy of this for us to watch is because for some reason good night is all one word. I feel like it should be two words. But it's all one word, and the O's are linked for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at that recently on the cover box. I was like, why are the O's hooped together? I, I must have. I mean, it was 1980. There was an Olympics that year, right? Someone was inspired. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but only representing two. Right. And we're introduced to each of the girls very rapidly. Um, but the only one that makes an impression is the girl who will go on to be the main character of this movie, Nancy, played by Jennifer Runyon, who I think is the famous person from this movie is is she the main character i felt like she was i mean isn't in any of these like slasher movies like the virgin girl who everyone's making fun of is supposed to be like the the one you identify with yeah i would think so. so i would say she's the main character of this well but we don't introduce her for quite a long time well at the very beginning when everyone's leaving the school to get ready for Christmas, she's handing her cat to someone. Oh, to is take she care the one of. with the cat? She's the one with the cat, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, this is actually her first movie, and I would say that most people know her from Ghostbusters, where she played Jennifer, who is able to guess what the what Pete Venkman's Zener cards say on them. She's the one who says, Is it a star? It is a star. <laughs> Very good, that's great. You can't see these, can you? You're not cheating me, are you? Um, after this movie, she did a lot of TV stuff up until um, another movie in 1984 called Up the Creek, where she played the love interest to Tim Matheson. And it huh. looks from the cover box to be like a college comedy based around rafting, like competitive rafting sure. or something like that. We'll get there. <laughs> um, and then after Ghostbusters, she was in uh, John Schlesinger's Falcon and the Snowman in 85. She was in 18 again with George Burns in 88. Wait, I'm sorry. Take it back. Falcon Falcon and and the the Snowman. Snowman. I think they're spies or something like that. Okay, so these are like code names. Yeah. (laughs) So this isn't an unofficial Smoking in the Bandit. This is not an animated film. Snowman. (laughs) No. Um, And then she had guest appearances on like all the major um, 
series at the time charles in charge who's the boss magnum quantum murder she wrote um and apparently she came back in 93 to appear in carnosaur with diane ladd do you remember carnosaur you know it sounds familiar i bet I, I would recognize it if i saw the art i remember it because um my dad took us up to our grandpa's cabin and he had it on vhs and that was like all we wanted to do was watch this carnosaur movie because at the time i was obsessed with jurassic park it was the same year as jurassic park and this was just like you know the transmorphers version of jurassic park yeah i uh I do not recognize it based on the art. No, but it's got <laughs> like, Diane what? Ladd and it's got uh, Jennifer Runyon actually returned to her Killer Santa film roots. Uh, recently, in 2015, she was in Silent Night, Bloody Night 2. Oh, so she's another she, Christmas horror. Her film. IMDb page is bookended with Killer Santas. Um, the director for this should be noted. This is one of two directing credits. The other is a short-form documentary about steel drums. So this is his only like narrative film that he made. Um, Wait, which was first? Uh, I don't know, actually. I think that was after. I think this was first. This was on the heels of his appearance in um, as the villain of Last House on the Left. Okay. Um, and uh, that was just before this and then he did this probably from the star power of that um he also appeared in swamp thing in 82 and armed and dangerous that john candy movie in 86 um but most of his credits are acting after that although he does have sound credits yeah he he was a composer yeah um most of it is because he wrote the music for uh last last house on the left i almost called it last podcast on the left because that's a great podcast you should all check out but don't skip this one or anything. <laughs> um, but Last House on the Left, he did all the music for that. And the music from that movie, like, I think Eli Roth used like three songs from it in Cabin Fever. And then Tarantino used one in Hateful Eight. Well, and he just, uh, so in addition to composing those songs, like he was like like a songwriter for like music, right. like yeah. radio music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but me and him are both credited in Hateful Eight. But his name's spelled right though. <laughs> um, and the writer here, Alex Rebar, he doesn't really have a lot outside of this film. It's mostly acting, again. Um, he did write a TV movie sequel to the Amityville Horror, which is the fourth installment. I forget what it was called. But He's yeah. an important component in building a wall out of concrete. Yes. You can't do it without Rebar. It's just a mistake. You can cut that joke out. <laughs> no, that's getting repeated. Um so all the girls that aren't they don't have anywhere to stay for christmas go back into the school and just stay there for christmas is it is it that they don't have anywhere to stay or is the plan all along to get their boyfriends to come up and and have a wild sex i think romp? that's the plan some of them planned that but i don't think that was always the plan and i definitely don't think that nancy was a part of that plan because she seems surprised by the news that well, someone's only, going to visit not only are they su- she surprised by it but they didn't they didn't bring a guy for her <laughs> right yeah and there <laughs> they, was a they guy kind of and they were off. like no yeah. you stay here with the plane right there was another guy the yeah. pilot shows up <laughs> they were like, like no, no 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 you stay here um we don't yeah. want, we don't fraternize with the help yeah so they yeah exactly because they're a bunch of like kennedy kids well yeah they have a private plane <laughs> yeah um which did not run well for the kennedy kids it turns out the private planes um mrs jensen is the name of the woman who is like left in charge of the girls and she's made them a stew and some cherry pie 
um, we get a quick shot of a note on a desk that says the following girls are staying for vacation and it has six girls names on it um, who are the six girls that are like the main characters of this story and then rather than crossing them off one at a time as they get killed we just see like a figure scribble the whole list out in like a big red pen <laughs> i was like oh i thought we were gonna like kill bill this but we're just yeah they all should die <laughs> oh don't forget there's one other person who's staying at the house right the, the groundskeeper Ralph. slash houseplant trimmer yeah he's uh he's a creepy guy i don't know i kind of like ralph well, yeah, I think he's supposed to be, like, adorable, like, mentally handicapped groundskeeper guy. Um, he's, he's waiting for the to see the rabbits or something, right? Yeah. yeah. But after the names get crossed off on the list, there's a picture of the girl who fell off the balcony. And that's where we're flash-cutting back and forth from the picture of the girl on the desk right. to the girl falling over oh, the balcony. Oh, right, right, right. So we're getting that flash of the face yeah. that you were talking about. Um, and so the indication is that whoever is here is... In somehow like related to that girl that was thrown off the balcony. Right. Well, that's a really. It's just a really cheesy moment. They're like, in case you forgot, yeah. the scene that happened like five minutes ago. We're gonna flash this face over top of the girl falling. Yeah. Well, and I know, that picture's also in the rest of the movie, just sitting right. on the desk that it was. Well, I I think the reason for that is because I would have had no idea because I did not get a good look at her face seconds before she fell off. Because I didn't expect to. We do anyone... get kind of a slow-mo close-up, but once they flash to the present, you're going to be like, okay, which of these girls is it? I have no yeah. idea. They all look the same. Yeah. yeah. And it's only been two years. So I was like, you know, it's like, are these the same girls even from the two years ago? I don't know. Right. And looking back now, there were a couple that were in common, but there are a couple that are missing. As she's cooking everything, she she comes into this dining room area and sets all the food down and tells the girls that Mrs. Calvin, who runs... The mrs calvin's school for girls or whatever this place is um will be back in a couple of days which they they mentioned that like three or four times over the course of the movie i Wait, kept waiting for that to pay off so hold on so she so, so she's the woman, like managing she, is she like you know like pitch hitting here is she not normally there is she i think she's coming? a school administrator okay because i got the sense that she's normally there yeah like this isn't like she's a she's new to this house or anything well, no, I, I Mrs. Jensen's there full time, yeah, I think. I don't think this house is the school. I think that this house is the dormitory. Because at the beginning, when everyone's leaving, they keep talking about um, uh, breakfast will be served in lunchroom B instead of lunchroom C, stuff like that. I was like, wait, are there multiple places to eat? Yeah, that was weird that there was a big PA system on the house anyway. It, yeah. I was just getting like yeah. airplane flashbacks. So, yeah. So, uh, so I think that this is just the dorm of this school. Maybe okay. it is. And she's just the house mother of of the dorm. And she's been left in charge of all the stragglers that didn't find somewhere to be. Because right. she right. doesn't have any family and isn't important. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Cynthia, the sixth of the girls, is the only one that's not sitting around the table. They're like, oh, she went to her room because she was tired. And then we see Cynthia, like, dressed in a nightie, looking out the window, trying to get her boyfriend's attention. Um or no, he's trying to get her attention. He's like shouting to her from outside and uh, she just immediately takes off all of her clothes to change into different clothes so that she can meet her boyfriend. Why did you put the nightie on in the first place? Yeah, if, if that you were wasn't going for to him, was that just was that comfortable to sleep in? But um, before she can get outside, he just gets stabbed to death by a figure that yeah. we don't see much of. 
Um, and then she immediately runs out the front door to try and find him and gets stabbed herself in the parking lot. And it's one of those shots where she's running directly towards camera going, oh, where are you, Peter? Where? And then suddenly she's getting stabbed she's by getting someone stabbed. who she should have seen right. from 20 feet away. <laughs> but it's pretty impressive that we're only like maybe seven or eight minutes into the movie and already two people are dead. Yeah. Especially since there's really only six girls. So we already took care of one of them and her boyfriend. So we're down to five. The girls that are left are Nancy, like I said before, was uh, Jennifer Runyon, um, who's like the virgin character that uh, after this happens, she even though she's sitting the furthest from the windows, she's like in the middle of two people sitting at the table. She just goes, what was that? I think I saw something happen outside. And they're all, <laughs> you're crazy. I know I saw it. I think. But it's like, you're sitting at the middle of the table and the windows are all covered in curtains. Like there's no way you saw anything happen outside. But it's the beginning of everyone chastising her for being silly and paranoid. Um, there's the the free-spirited character named Leia. And she seems like she's based on like an Annie Hall type character. Or <laughs> maybe a combination of two characters from 77. Because she's like one Annie with, Hall and Princess Leia. And this is the one with the weird like jungle-esque room. Like right. There seems mm, to yes. be an odd number of hanging plants in this girl's This whole room. house is littered with plants like <laughs> ivy that grows especially fast. Well, this is why Ralph just gets to wander around with like a giant shears, shears everywhere yeah. he goes. So she goes back up to her room to get, she says she's going to get drugs because her plan is to literally drug Mrs. Jensen so they can go meet their boyfriends and then she's going to get Chanel because one of the other girls was like, oh, can you get my perfume or whatever. Right. Um, so she goes up to her room, and as she's leaving, this giant, you know, Lenny from Mice and Men <laughs> comes barging in with a big pair of shears. Right, and he he's wearing like a like a like a red thermal shirt just yeah, to just to make him a little bit more Santa-y. Yeah, and uh, and he just tells her he's there to like trim the plants, basically. He, he doesn't knock either. He just he yeah, just he, enters. This is this is a dorm for girls, so you think at least yeah. you would knock. Um, and the girls all laugh at Ralph before he even leaves the room. Like he follows her down to the dinner table, and they're all just like, "Oh, what a silly weird guy!" Like just laughing at him while he's still in the room. I think he used to be a gargoyle on the south side of Notre Dame. <laughs> Which is it's like it's not the only time that yeah, happens. It in becomes this, a recurring thing. Uh, they're insulting people who are literally still standing. Yeah. So Ralph goes into the kitchen with uh mrs jensen and there's also this other woman there who her name is tina ranzoni and she shows up to the kitchen with uh mrs jensen and ralph and she complains about a heart condition that she has like oh my heart's messed up and i need a better heart um and here's some cannoli put this in the refrigerator to ralph and he puts it in the refrigerator but i have no idea what the point of this character is there is none. There's there's literally no... But she's not even a red herring because, like, her story doesn't make any sense. But she says... I'm gonna die. We all gotta die. I know I'm gonna die. Death is no stranger to me. I buried three husbands. So you think that's so bad? After the third one, it's just a piece of cake. This woman looks like she's, like... 35 maybe i don't know why she would have three dead husbands already i mean was just saying that you've you've have three dead husbands is that supposed to be the the red herring because she literally never comes back for the entire movie i don't know what the connection would be between her having dead husbands and a weak heart 
unless she's like killing people and cutting their hearts out and doing a surgery on her own. Like, I don't understand the point of it, but But we know, we do know why she was in the movie. Yes. We do know why she was there, which is that she's married to David Hess, the director of the film, (laughs) but I don't understand the point of this character. If you were going to have her be in the movie, just have her be someone that served a purpose to the story. Cause she just hands off the cannoli and, uh, (laughs) on her way out of the building (laughs) while Ralph is still in the room, she says, I don't know how you stand that big gazak around here. He gives me the creeps. <laughs> While he's still standing there. And then uh, uh, Leia walks in to get something out of the refrigerator. And so while one of the girls from the school is still there, she says, You shouldn't be working here, Ruth, with all those rich little pompous bitches living out here in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> the lady's like <laughs> ripping on this girl that's standing right there next to the refrigerator. So they they drug Mrs. Jensen and Mrs. Ranzoni just leaves. And they what they try to like make it off like they're being like really nice. They're like, oh, we're gonna do the dishes and we're gonna take care of you and let me get you a nice warm glass of milk. And they're like being so sweet just to drug her. I mean, this seems like really, really awful. Yeah. And then the first thing that she does when she's been quote unquote drugged, I'm gonna go do some sewing on my sewing machine. (laughs) Yeah. Or she was already sewing when she got the milk. Enjoying your milk. Uh, hint, yeah. hint, can you go to sleep now so we can go find a, you know, plane full of horny Santas? Yeah. And then, uh, so he's, she says, oh, Miss Jensen's asleep. She's going to be asleep for 12 hours. That'll be plenty of time for us. And it's like, these aren't like trained anesthesiologists. They could have killed this woman. They have no idea. But um, one of them weirdly says, I wonder what she dreams of. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Do we want to talk about her fantasies all of a sudden? Um... Oh, uh, I, I realized at this point that uh, Jennifer Runyon's character, Nancy, reminds me a lot of Woody's girlfriend on Cheers. Because she's like also like pure as the driven snow type character. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe that was Jennifer Runyon on that show. but they And they do look alike, but it's not, it's not the same girl from Cheers. Um, so Nancy is elected to give Mrs. Jensen the drugged milk, which she willingly goes along with the plan. Um, and there's a picture of the dead girl from the intro to the movie just hanging on the wall above the sewing machine while she's sitting there to sew with her drugged milk. Um, then we get a lot of really inexcusably bad day for night as the girls are approaching the plane that their boyfriends yeah, flew in. That was on. rough. It was that's pretty rough. They all have flashlights. I think only half of them are turned on, and it's just blatantly it's just daytime. Hard shadows yeah. everywhere. <laughs> um, but then Ralph shows up. Yeah, and so Nancy she... runs into Ralph and tells her for the first of like several times to just be safe. <laughs> be safe. And gives her a flashlight because she didn't have one for some reason. <laughs> the moon's so bright. Yeah. <laughs> you need something to block it. the sun. Here, <laughs> take this. Um, so yeah, the, the plane lands and it has a boy for every girl except for Nancy. Um, and the pilot says, oh, I'll come in. And TJ says, no, you stay with the plane. Even though he's seems like he's close enough to their ages uh jennifer runyon didn't know this when they were shooting she found out after the film but the actor playing the pilot here who is credited as dan Stryker in the film is actually actor harry reams does that ring a bell i got nothing no nothing um he was an uncredited discotheque patron in clute I do know Clute, but I don't recall the uncredited disco <laughs> You don't? Okay, we're going to have to rewatch it then. It's a very huge part. No, um, he is 
as the name Harry Reams might suggest, he's a prolific porn actor who has made appearances in as Dr. Young in Deep Throat and Dr. Jason in Deep Throat 2. He was also Mark in a movie called Sometimes Sweet Susan. Oh, Mark. Do you remember well, sometimes Do you remember no, Sometimes Sweet Susan? Sometimes Sweet Susan is the movie that Travis Bickle takes Sybil Shepherd to on their date in Taxi oh, Driver because right, he doesn't right. know that that's weird. I don't like these movies. Well, I mean, I, you know, I didn't know that you would, you'd feel that way about this movie. I don't know much about movies, but if I... Is there any kind of movies you go to? Well, yeah, I mean, I come and they are, this is not so bad. But I, and I just had to include this here. Um, his, the highest, the, the most recent project that he did is called Asses to Asses and Lust to Lust. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty great. So, so, so why is it that Jennifer Runyon didn't know this? Because everyone was using different names at the time. He uh. was he was using the name Dan Strecker. There's a lot of people. Um, Bill Martin is for some reason credited as Bill Martins. I don't know if that was just a screw up or if he was like, you know, it'll throw him off. <laughs> Put an S on there. Pluralize myself. Uh, there's a there's an actor whose IMDb page says he is West Buchanan, but he was credited as Buck West. And Kiva Lawrence, who plays Miss Jensen, is credited as Catherine Harrington. So it seems like nobody wanted to use their real names on this movie. <laughs> more like Red why. Harrington. Red Harrington. What, what, that should have been. That doesn't, no, that's more yeah, doesn't of a, that's a guy's name, really. <laughs> Unless you're red haired, and then it's a nickname, not really a name. Well, I'm, uh, I have to admit that I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and trying to follow along with your story points. In the broad strokes that Wikipedia paints are like Sam and Blake have sex in the parlor, and then, uh, but it ends like this whole paragraph ends on Alex in her bedroom gives him a hand job, but hand job is uh, a hyperlink text. Oh, on good. Wikipedia. In case you're curious what that means. <laughs> this is like, okay, thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> what? Well, it's, it's but, but it's just like why choose that to hyperlink? Like groundskeeper isn't hyperlinked. Uh, I think know. we know why. <laughs> the same reason that that person bothered to fill out a Wikipedia page for this movie. <laughs> but yeah, so TJ tells the pilot, "You stay here," and the pilot just sleeps on the ground next to the plane for like three days. You sleep in the plane at least. He doesn't even let him come into the house. He's like, "Not only can you not hang out with us, you're gonna sleep on the ground out here." <laughs> This, that's what my dad pays you for. I bet at least one of them threw up on the plane, and it stinks terribly. Yeah. Maybe. Well, it's also just a really tiny private plane. There might not be enough floor space to lay down. Um, we go back into the house, and there's a guy playing the worst song I've ever heard. Vagabond Running only makes you see Running only makes you see your answer. Well, one of them pretends to really like it, though. <laughs> yeah, there's one girl that's completely infatuated with it. Someone wearing a Santa suit takes shears out of a garden shed, and we realize things are going to happen already. Um, Trisha uh, goes to the kitchen to get something and sees someone wearing a Santa costume and thinks it's her boyfriend until Santa slits her throat. Well, yeah, because all of the guys showed up in Santa suits. Right. And then Ralph surprises Nancy again and warns her of evil again. <laughs> like you do, you know. Be safe. And then finally, hey, Trisha's, Trisha's boyfriend eventually realizes that she has left the room and shuffled off this mortal coil. And he says, where's Trisha? And then someone says, 
maybe she left you. And then he has this really weird line delivery and he goes, With my charm, no charm. <laughs> and everyone cracks up like it's the funniest thing they've ever heard. But he sounds like he's doing like a butler accent for some reason. Um, so he goes to look for her. Um, meanwhile, TJ surprises Leia in her room, the one that's overflowing with plants. The um, room, not Leia. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> They're both overflowing with plants. Um, and then Tom finds, I couldn't tell if it was actually Trisha or not. He finds a body in the incinerator out on the porch. I think it was. I think it was okay. meant to be. I'm pretty sure it would, it would make yeah. sense just logically that he would find his own right. girlfriend. But and it could have been the girl from earlier. I didn't get a good look at the face. And then um, he gets attacked. He's immediately attacked like, by Santa. With a rock. Yeah. Yeah. But like, then out of nowhere, he had a bat. Like, he wasn't armed when he went out there, but suddenly he had a bat and hit Santa a couple times real good. You're but, outside um, at a girl's school. You're bound to find a bat laying around. Sure. Why not? Um, but yeah, so Santa kind of disables him with a rock to the head and then picks up a bigger rock. And literally just crushes his skull to the, the point that the rock, the rock breaks in half. Yeah, the rock snaps in half if you hit him so hard in the skull. Well, they say we, we uh, are occasionally intercut with burial scenes. Yeah, right here we get a shot of Santa, <laughs> like, neatly tucking the dirt over four graves in the in the day for night field. And uh, I don't know why he, like, he why or we... she would waste this time yeah, burying all these bodies. Yeah, why are we taking time burying? I mean... Digging, have you ever dug a hole for a body? Oh, yeah. It I, takes a really long time. Especially out in the wilderness where there's just layers of layers of tree roots and things to get through first. Yeah. And large rocks, apparently. Melody, uh, who I think is the one that's talking with a British accent, drags the nerdy guy uh, upstairs for a an advanced course in relativity, she says, because she's they're just trying to playing up that he's the nerdlinger. Well, he's really hesitant. Like this is a this is like feels like a like a really rapey moment, honestly. Like she is really attacking him. Yeah. But so now the only two people that are left are the guitarist and the girl that was interested in the guitarist. So they just start making out on the floor in the common room, which is making her uncomfortable. <laughs> well, it's making me all, uncomfortable. But everybody else is already paired off. <laughs> they were laying on a bear. They were. There's like a giant bear head right in front of the camera. <laughs> So everyone's having sex except for Nancy, who's just wandering the grounds, other than the dead people. Um, <laughs> so there's now of the six girls, two of them are dead. Two of the boyfriends are dead. There's four girls left. Three of them are having sex. And Nancy's just wandering around. She, um, she's listening to Leah have sex. Yeah, she's listening she, to a few people. Yeah, well, she thought she heard screams, but they were, of course, screams of ecstasy. Yes. Um we see, we see Leia dancing with a, a platter of food and singing until TJ grabs her. They're being very strange in her room. Uh, but oh, yeah, they're like like role-playing weirdness. In there. Yeah, she puts these the goggles on his head that I think he was wearing when he was flying the plane. And uh, then he goes, he asks for her to get him a drink, and he goes to like swing his glass to the nightstand and shatters it. <laughs> <laughs> like you could see it breaking off camera and falling apart. Uh, when does the the suit of armor come to life? Oh, that, yeah, that, that, that's right, right around here. Right okay. in the room with the bear rug is conveniently a big suit of armor, and and it wielding it starts... a crossbow. Right. Right. Well, there's there's um yeah. So she that that's the room where she hears the the voices from, 
and uh so she's just sitting outside their room drinking milk and she can hear them having sex and uh right after she leaves the plate mail armor comes to life and fires a crossbow through the guy's head i just want to know how long that person right. was in that suit like of armor had to hold still for a really long time in there because they were all like the room that they're in the common room that they were in was the room that all of yeah. the people were in and until they started splitting off so either. like they've been in there for hours yeah um so yeah he he shoots the guy in the back of the head and the arrow comes out of his mouth and then the girl starts to run away and he chops her head off with the battle axe. So Jim, uh, the guitarist character who had the crossbow through his mouth, was also a PA on this movie. He was a stuntman, <laughs> assuming he just did all his own stunts. And also he was a set constructor on top of playing a main character in the film. So now, uh, what luck, Ralph bursts into Nancy's room in the middle of the night it warns her about the evil again and demands that she pray. You must pray. Pray so the devil won't claim you for one of his own. It, Out of all of them, you're the only one. And she considers this like a sweet She's gesture like, oh, on his part. He cares about me. Like, oh, he's oh, so he's nice. He's a man of the Lord. He's so nice to warn me about evil and break into my room at night. And then Santa buries more bodies under the moon, um, but for some reason keeps the head of that girl in a bucket instead of burying it with the rest of her. Um, uh, the British girl Melody is still seducing the nerd upstairs. Like half the people are dead and we were only like 30 minutes into this yeah. movie. And I, I was like, okay, either this story's going to wrap up by the morning because it doesn't make any sense for this to be like a two day movie. But then suddenly it's just the next, the next day, day and people are sitting around a table eating breakfast but outside. Nothing's happened. Um, everyone just assumes all the dead people went somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They're just like, oh, they must have gone and not said anything to us. It's like, why would they do that? We had everything planned here and the plane's still there. Right. Like, and they had to make up some, you know, you know, weird story for the house mother to be like, oh, their plane broke down. So we have to keep these guys here. Yeah. She's like, but it's against the rules. And you're like, well, all right, we'll let them stay. So now um, that the, the, the nerd Alex and Melody have, have had sex, he's less awkward around her, I guess, and starts chasing her around in the yard. Um, and then suddenly just immediately turns and starts chasing Nancy. Like, yeah. even yeah. though his girlfriend is still running away from him, he turns around and starts like making these weird grunting noises to chase Nancy. And they literally just trip over a dead body. Well, yeah, they trip Ralph's over Ralph. Body. But oh. it's great. When she trips over him, he like he sits, sits up. up. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like not a, sure about the physics yeah. of how that's he working. He springs forward like a motion-activated Halloween decoration. <laughs> but he's just like with a screaming face and blood dripping all over him and very clearly dead. And then we cut immediately to the cops there. And I was like, is this story like wrapping up? I don't understand why it's broke up this way. Um, we have like a Columbo moment. Yeah, yeah, he is very Columbo, this cop that shows up. But um, he also, he has this weird line. He says, thanks for your help, but from the way Kramer was found, it's obvious what happened. Or he actually messes up the line. He says, it's obvious he, what happened. It's obvious he, what happened. What does that, what does that mean? You want to do another take? From the way he was found, <laughs> like, no, it's obvious what one. happened. Yeah, he was murdered. <laughs> like, that's, that's the, that's the implication is like, it's obvious that he was murdered. He yeah. went, he didn't just die of a heart attack there. Um, and and while like, he's trying to like comfort Nancy, he like holds her oh, face. Yeah. Oh, 
was for so creepy. a very long time. It was so creepy. Um, we should mention, well, while he's holding on to her face, it's revealed that his name is Detective Polanski. Right. Or Chief Polanski. Chief Polanski. <laughs> and I was like, Mr. Polanski, can you stop holding that girl's face, please? Yeah, That's right. He says face. he's been a cop all his life, that he's the chief of police here for almost a year. Almost And he's a never year? had a case he couldn't figure out. A whole like, year? You're, you're like 10 months in and you haven't you haven't not solved any cases in this tiny town with no murders that's well, that's impressive and then he's like he's said like specifically we've gone over this house with a fine tooth comb yeah they haven't like, found anything really? you haven't found anything you went over every no freshly dug graves or like buckets of heads or you know girls in incinerators like just nothing yeah <laughs> And while he's caressing Nancy's face sitting at the chair, he says about Ralph, he tells her, well, you know, he spent time in a mental hospital, two accounts of armed robbery, which I think he meant two counts of armed robbery, but he said he clearly <laughs> says two accounts of armed robbery. He spent time in a mental hospital, two accounts of armed robbery, assault with a deadly weapon. And Mrs. Jensen just nods through all of this like she isn't surprised. And he's just wandering into their rooms constantly, sometimes while they're asleep. Well, you know that three strikes law. He wouldn't do it a third time. <laughs> it's really weird. He lets go of her face, and the cop looks directly at the floor and says, If anything comes up, or you find anything important, give me a call. Like, very monotone and not to anyone in the room, just at the ground. And then he says, Bye, Ruth, without looking at her, and walks out. Like, he clearly has some kind of a relationship with the woman who's, like, Mrs. Jensen is Ruth. Yeah. Um, and it's just very strange for that all of a sudden. Um, he tells them to be very careful and to lock up all the doors at night well, yeah, because there's still his, a murderer on he the He wanted his two goons, like, his two police goon guys to, like, stand guard that night at the house. And absolutely and like, not have sex with the teenage girls. Right, yeah. but it's also just really weird. Up. Like, I don't think a chief of police would say, you know what, a whole bunch of people were murdered here. I think what's best is for all of you to stay in this yeah, house Yeah, why don't tonight. I go? I'll leave. I'll leave two guys outside the door and you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, there's some weird implications by this whole point too but um alex says that he thinks that everyone that's missing was killed and then one of the other kids says well who are you sherlock holmes and he has this really weird line he says i wish i was then i wouldn't be so preoccupied for my life what (laughs) i don't remember that line i feel like someone just had i wouldn't be so worried for my life and they were like what's another word for worried that doesn't really fit this sentence (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the chief leaves two of these cops there and reminds them not to have sex with any children, which is rich coming from (laughs) Officer Polanski. Um, Nancy and Alex tell Mrs. Jensen that they think they're in danger. Danger? And then, uh, and, and they literally have to explain to her, even after the cops said all this in the room. Ralph was murdered. The man who murdered him could still be around. Oh, dear. Uh, that must be why the chief left the policeman here. What? What's the last <laughs> scene for if it wasn't to give you all that information? Um, then everyone sits down for dinner, <laughs> including one of the two cops that's supposed to be on patrol. Um, and the other one says he's going to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so these are the people that are hired to protect them. Oh, one of them is going to sit down and eat. Um, and then Le- Leia or leah i don't know how to pronounce it um she decides she's going to lead the cop that wants to go to sleep to his room 
and just takes him up to her room even though like two scenes ago she was literally saying i think i'm gonna marry tj he's so great and now she's like well she meant he's so rich (laughs) yeah but then she just wants to have sex with this 40 year old cop that's making like nothing to like guard a school yeah also really gross yeah they're both pretty gross guys (laughs) and then but at this point melody is now latching on to tj since he's now available because she can see that that uh, he's feeling neglected leah goes to take a shower in the same room where she told the cop to sleep um and then tj gets suspicious so he follows her up to the room and catches her cheating with the cop but just doesn't care yeah, but he's totally like he literally fine smiles when he's turning around he's, he's just like, like oh, oh perfect now uh-huh. i could go get with melody and we're totally good with this yeah so um alex and nancy are exploring the house to make sure everything's locked up and the cop that's still outside is immediately killed by santa um so now we're down to the one cop that's in leah's room that's protecting them from anybody until the morning presumably when the when the chief of police will come back Um, for whatever reason yeah yeah they already went over the place they found nothing tj takes melody outside because he's like oh well they have cops so we're totally safe we can go wherever we want he said to lock up but he was just kind of joking we could just do whatever we want um she's hesitant but he says oh relax i have five years of karate ha i'm a black belt nobody gonna mess around with this boy (laughs) and then there's another weird line here where's tj and melody oh knowing tj they're somewhere (laughs) (laughs) knowing physics they exist (laughs) yeah i can't tell you how fast they're going but i can tell you exactly where they are (laughs) but i don't see them so they both do and do not exist (laughs) schrodinger's two-dimensional characters um so Leah, after she has now presumably had sex with the officer that was staying with them, goes to take a post-coital shower and finds her friend Sam's head that, that the knight chopped off impaled on the shower head for some reason. But what a missed opportunity for her to, to like... turn the shower head yeah, on. Yeah, turn the water on first like she's not looking and yeah, the water's just gushing just out of blood. the mouth. I, mean, I feel like that might have been in the script and they just couldn't, like, they didn't have the, the prosthetics weren't budget, working. budget to make that sort of That honestly, work. that would have made this whole movie. This would be a bigger cult, cult piece if it had that scene. Um, but she just starts screaming and the cop comes busting in but didn't clear any of the rooms on his way because he's immediately getting killed by another yeah. Santa. Um, but then yeah, Leah is then approached by the killer Santa, and she's, scream- she's naked and screaming and screaming, and we cut. And we cut away. So we just, okay, well, we'll see her dead body yeah. somewhere else. Whoever then. this deranged Santa is already crossed off a list of all these girls' names, and this one's like the most obnoxious of all the girls. So if the person's just out to kill everyone who was obnoxious this girl's definitely going to get killed so that happens the cop has a knife in his back he's dead on the bathroom floor um and then tj and melody are about to make out by a tree outside when suddenly he gets hung by like this thin metal wire yeah like piano wire yeah garrot wire i guess yeah it's a garrot basically and he gets pulled up into a tree and he's just choking and she's screaming and runs to the house because she can't get him down I, i have to say this was the only time that i that i responded to an attack it because, looks really brutal because it just was like whoosh, and it just got him i was like yeah. oh dang um but and once it looks again, like that's the kind of thing where you're like 
How long have you been in that tree? Well, it's also another opportunity to Christmas theme it. You know, do Christmas lights or something. Don't oh, just yeah, yeah, strangle yeah. them yeah. with a random wire. Okay. You're just stabbing people and strangling well, people like, with murder weapons. Maybe they make them into like an ornament in the tree. Yeah, sure. Anything. There's <laughs> a lot of choices. Um, so they, uh, Melody runs back to the house screaming because TJ just got killed. So now we're basically down to Melody, the British girl, um, Alex the nerd, and... Uh, Nancy. Nancy. And they run up to the bathroom upstairs and realize that Leia is also alive. Um, that f- somehow her screaming prevented her from getting murdered on the floor of the shower. Like the Santa just turned around and walked away. Um, He's like that character in the Frighteners who you can't, every time you hear a woman screaming, it goes, oh, 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 oh God. God. Sorry, this just got really real. <laughs> um, I have a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this. I had one. Um, but. Uh, Presumably what happened is the the Santa like stabbed her right on the brainstem because she's gotten completely bananas now. She's just like spinning, dancing, yeah. covered in blood. Floating and around. Being like, a weirdo. I'm so crazy. Yeah, she's clearly had a panic attack and is just being nuts. Alex says, you know what? I'm going to call the police. <laughs> Good idea. Even though there should be a couple around here somewhere, right? But um, so he goes to call the police and right as he telephones the police, we see outside santa's glove grabbed the wire coming out of the building and cut it with the pair of shears so it's like oh there it goes they can't call the police now like i feel like we should have done that a little earlier santa. yeah that should have been first on your on your naughty list um so yeah uh then while they're all standing in the living room next to the christmas tree just out of nowhere again santa comes to attack melody and melody just turns tail and runs past him out of the house into the yard um and then Santa takes off the mask to reveal that it's Mrs. Jensen. <gasps> what? Ooh, what a oh, known. it's like a Scooby-Doo episode where there's one other person that we've seen. <laughs> um, That's still alive. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's the mother of the woman, or the, the girl that was pushed off the balcony and the prank in the cold open. Um, and she corners Nancy. And Nancy the whole time is trying to explain to her that she wasn't even at the school two years ago. So if she shouldn't eat, like... Not that it's okay to murder all of us, but, you know, I wasn't even a part of that. I didn't go here yet. Yeah, why wasn't the story about those girls? Yeah. Right. Why wasn't this a revenge story against them specifically? Yeah. Also, why did you have to do it during the Christmas break? Just kill them when you have your opportunities over the course of the semester. Yeah. Um, But so, uh, while she's running away from Mrs. Jensen, uh, Nancy goes and hides under a bed. Meanwhile, Melody gets to the plane where the pilot has been sleeping for three days. Um, and she says, we got to get out of here right now. And he's like, oh, well, then I'll fix the plane that it's been broken for this so whole time. So was it actually broken? That wasn't just a story to get the guys to I stay? I think he literally was fixing it when he stood up. He he leans into the engine and actually Because otherwise they it. would have gone that, right. previous, that next morning, yeah. like, be, you know, before the house mom woke but up. But then as soon as he gets it fixed, they realize that Santa's already in the plane and he turns the ignition to start the plane and they're standing right next to the prop so um the pilot just gets chopped and his brains and blood are thrown all over the airplane uh uh, just like there's no powering up of the propeller just immediately on full speed yeah well how else are you gonna chop somebody's head up that's 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 what's so great about the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark with the plane ro- slowly rotating around. Yeah. It's just like he keeps trying to run away, but the plane's slowly turning. The and you're always keeps... watching it. You're just like, oh, God. Oh, God. It's going to hit him. 
But this one, it's like you don't even see him before. It's like, oh, I, he's up at the controls. Maybe I should take an inch step backwards. It's almost as if the engine exploded. Yeah. And just blew their guts forward. Yeah. Um, so now back at the house, Santa is following Nancy around the house. But for some reason, instead of just surprising her with a knife, now she's whispering, Nancy, I'm coming for you everywhere she goes so that Nancy can very easily follow where she is. She also outpaces and overpowers Santa at every confrontation. Which is which is weird because, like, definitely we've had other struggles. Right. Throughout here where we're like, where this, this Santa is more yeah, that powerful. that rock fight was comes to mind there. Yeah. But in, in this case, now that we've revealed that Mrs. Jensen is Santa... Like, we can't have Santa actually overpowering a teenage girl. So just every time she gets on Nancy, Nancy just throws her to the ground and runs away again. So Nancy runs to the balcony where the girl was killed by falling off of it. And uh, as Jensen is charging her, the flashback from the beginning of the film plays over again. But it ends with Jensen hitting the ground very super anticlimactically. And where that fake body was hitting the ground. I mean, before. it's very like it's like a Bugs Bunny moment, you yeah. know, where you just like you know just step to the side and suddenly you know the person whoop. attacking you just whoop there you yeah. go <laughs> just slide whistle. Um, so yeah, so she's dead or the, dying. Yeah, dead or dying. Um, and Nancy goes down to where the Christmas tree was and just sits and cries when a second Santa walks in carrying Death Mrs. Jensen's God. body. <gasps> It's the police chief, her husband and father, presumably, of the child that was killed. Um, and then he tries to kill her when Alex reappears from his just mysterious absence for the last couple scenes with the crossbow from the plate mail suit and fires it at, uh, at the chief of police, killing him. So good, thing they, there's, good thing there's no witnesses right. to say whether or not who who to corroborate your story. <laughs> now it just looks like you killed all these people. Right. So basically there are three survivors. Is, is Melody killed by the propeller also? Yeah, I, I think Melody's okay. yeah. killed. So then the three survivors are Alex the nerd, um, Nancy. Nancy the virgin, and Leia the crazy girl. And that's who, where it ends. Yeah, yeah we, we, end, we end on her being loopy, just yeah. dancing around And the then house. we get like a freeze frame of her in her bloody dress upstairs just wandering around this house full of corpses. I mean, is that supposed to be like the moment that we're like prepping for the next movie? Like, no, I think that's just how horror movies ended in the 70s and they weren't ready for the 80s yet. So they were just still <laughs> doing things the same way. I mean, is this the first... So I know that we're jaded by the idea of having... It be you know surprise it was a woman killer and like you know I hadn't even thought of that as a possible part of the twist right but but like you know we have experienced movies right. like that but like at the time I can't think of any movies that I well, know yeah, of before Friday this. the Thirteenth is this year but it's later this year so yeah. right so I can't think of any movies before this that had that sort of ending yeah I don't I can't off the top of my head come up with one either well was. The thing is, it wasn't always her. Right. I the mean, implication of the story is that it's the scream situation where every time the person is being overpowered by Santa, it's the chief of police. Right. Because women are incapable of doing things properly. <laughs> and so every time it's a woman, she's just getting shoved to the floor or just like mindlessly wandering off of a cliff well, like I, a lemming. But what I like to think of it now is that well, one of them's inside stalking and killing, the other one's digging graves. And they trade <laughs> off. I was like, all right, here's a body. You, you go in, dig the next grave. I'm going to go kill some more people. Yeah. 
I also like the implication. So before when I said that there's a reason that this is two summers later and not the next summer, that's not, the reason it's not an I know what you did last summer situation is because the guy needed enough time to believably get to the position of chief of police. Chief of police. So that's literally the only reason why. couldn't why he have already been chief of police? Why couldn't the no daughter of the chief have. of police just yeah. be the guy? And we would have been so much more impressed if he said, I've been the chief of police around here for 18 years. And, and now I'm I've never a let a case go unsolved. But uh, I also really like the implication that he's the chief of police who orchestrated the murder of two other police. Like, did he pick the two guys that he hates the most for this job or the ones that he knew, like, couldn't keep their hands off of children? He's like, here's how I'm going to get rid of these two, like, pedophile officers. I'm going (laughs) to invite them on this mission and then just murder them later. Two birds, one large rock. (laughs) One large rock. (laughs) A couple of stabbies. But yeah, that's about it for the plot of this one. Um... That's about it for everything on this one. I mean, yeah. I don't really don't know what more we can say. Well, what do you? What do you? Uh, do you recommend wh- that people watch it? I do not. No. <laughs> what about you? I don't. I don't think you should bother. All right, I'm going to be the sole thumbs up on this for the only reason that it is technically the first Killer Santa movie, and that it deserves credit for at least that. But. Um, I think you could just know the fact without having to watch it. There's really nothing in here. That's There's not a, a head spouting blood through a faucet. Through a shower. That would have been cr- incredible. Be and it's not on Christmas. Wouldn't this be great if this took place on Christmas Day? It just takes Day place Christmas Eve? two consecutive days during Christmas vacation, but not, neither one is on Christmas. Like, they even make the point at the end. They're like, oh, maybe we should open some presents. And they're like, no, 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 we'll wait till Christmas. It's like, oh, it's not Christmas now? No, it's not. Oh, what is this movie about? <laughs> that we're in um letterboxed you put this above or below uh just tell me what you want well i guess if i had to watch another one again i would definitely watch this one over just tell me what you want yes sadly i have to agree Um, that makes three of us an identical (laughs) letterboxd list so far because i would absolutely watch this again i kind of want to watch it now that we've been talking about it um cool well i think that about covers it for this one um, if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I said before, you can also find each of our full movie rankings for the year. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you find the time, please leave us a review, and we will thank you personally at the end of an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through patreon.com slash vintagevideopodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Fatso. We'll leave you now with the audio for the trailer for that film. Once upon a time, there was a little boy who loved to eat. And so he grew up to be a big boy who loved to eat. Yeah, Dom DiNapoli loved to eat. But Dom's sister, Antoinette, thought he should stop eating so much. I made an appointment for you with Dr. Schwartzman. Dr. who? Dr. Schwartzman, the diet doctor. So when Dom went on a diet, Royal chicken and kale and non-fat milk for me. She was very happy. <laughs> but when he didn't, she was very unhappy. Son of a... Now, Dom's brother, Frankie, thought he should go on a diet, too. What makes you think there's even one drop? One drop of honey left. So Dominic tried not to eat. Do not give me these keys. No matter what. And his brother was very happy.
Ah. It was no use. Dom yeah. DiNapoli, yeah. and he really loved to eat. And so he ate, and ate, and ate. Dom! And then he ate some more. And then one day, he met Lydia. And love became his steady diet. Lydia. Lydia. My name is Dom. Dom DeLuise, Anne Bancroft, Candy Azara, and Ron Carey in Fatso from 20th Century Fox.